all those areas. James chapter 1. We, uh, uh, this is the first Sunday I've got to minister. We, the youth did last Sunday and did a great job and ministered to all of us, I believe. So that was, that was good last week. Um, but we have started this year off, the, the, we ended last year, I should say, the last couple of Sundays of uh, 2019, we ended off talking about um, in Him, in Him realities, what it meant to be in Him. And we looked at those scriptures and, uh, and it was based on um, what the, the, word, the, the word the Lord gave us for um, 2020, and that was the word that, that I heard the Lord speak was a word of clarity, that 2020 was going to be a year of clarity, that we were going to see things the way God sees them, and that, that we were going to see them clearer and clearer, and that we were going to see ourselves the way God sees us. You know, that's very important. If, if we don't see ourselves the way God sees us, then we'll never walk in what He wants us to walk in. We've put this picture up here. Uh, it's kind of been our theme for the last few weeks. But we put this picture up here of this, uh, this little kitten looking in the, uh, the mirror. We'll get it up there. Of this little kitten looking in the mirror, seeing, you know, the, the, the kitten, of course, is just a small little cat, a kitten. But when it looks in the mirror, it sees a lion. And, you know, when we look into the Word of the Lord and the, the, the Word, when we look in here, that's what happens to us. We go from being just a little, a little nothing, a little person that thinks that, you know, thinks that we're nothing, we don't deserve anything, we're worthless, we're all these things, you know, is what people think that think, to seeing who we truly are. Because we're not worthless. We're not a nobody. God's made us a somebody. Amen. And, and He's made us righteous and He's made us holy and, and He's put us in Him and everything, and we've seen that in the last few weeks. Everything that God did in Him, He did it in us because we're in Him. Amen? So, uh, you know, so, so for three weeks we looked at that at the end of, at the end of uh, last year, the end of December. And heading into this year, I was getting ready to go. I really had my heart on going a different direction this morning and talking about a different aspect of this. But yesterday I just kept hearing the Lord say, I just kept hearing the Lord say, we're not ready to move yet. Stay right here. So we're gonna, I'm going to slow down a little bit, and I'm going to make sure that we get this. Because, because the reality, here's the reality. If, if, if we don't understand who we are in Him, then we'll never see things clearly. We'll never, we'll never really get the fullness of what God wants for us. And so, so I want us to make sure that we, that we understand what it means, uh, you know, what it means when He starts talking about that, that we're in Him. And so I'm going to just back up a little bit and, and, and you know, because we've, we've talked about some of these things. We haven't talked about all of them, but, but I want to just go back over and make sure that we, that we see this. Here in James chapter 1, this is the scripture that, that the Lord really gave me for 2020. And, uh, and it says this in verse 22, starting in James 1, 22. And it says this, But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if, you, if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass or in a mirror. That, that word glass is the word for a mirror. For he beholdeth himself, and then he goes his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. My, my goal for all of us in 2020, and I believe it's God's goal, is for us not to forget what manner of men and women we are. And the only way we're going to do that is when we see ourselves in the Word. And not only see ourselves, but we do what the Word says to do. 
the Bible says the Bible says in the scripture that if you if you only hear the word and don't do the word, then that's the man or woman that turns away and forgets who what you look like. You forget what manner of man you were. But the person that does the word, and actually he goes on to the next verse, verse twenty five, he goes on to say this. But whosoever looketh into the perfect law of liberty, that's talking about the Word, whoever looks into the Word of God and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the Word, this man shall be blessed in his deed. I like that. This man shall be blessed in his deed. The Amplified adds, uh, he shall be blessed in his doing, in his life of obedience. So when we obey the Word... The Bible says we don't forget what manner of man we were, but we do the Word, and it says that we will be blessed when we do that. I don't know about you, but I like being blessed. You know, like, like, the old, like you've heard it said so many times, you know, I've been blessed and I've been not blessed. Blessed is better. Amen? And, and so, so when we become a doer of the Word, we become blessed. Well, what does a doer of the Word look like? Well, look over at 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And it gives us another picture of this, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, and down at the end of that chapter, verse 17 and 18, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17 and 18, it says this, Now the Lord is that Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Aren't you glad for freedom? They were playing that song, Freedom, there. You know, aren't you glad for freedom? So it says, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But look at verse 18. It says, But we all, with open face... Beholding as in a glass or a mirror, once again, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, we are changed into that same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. So he says here that we are, the Amplified actually says it this way. It says, all of us with an unveiled face, because we continue to behold in the Word of God as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, we are constantly being transfigured into His very own image. So when we keep looking in the Word, when we become a doer of the Word, and we do what the Word says, we become a doer of the Word, what happens? We start looking like Jesus. Why? Because He was the original doer of the Word. He did everything the Word said. Amen? I mean, He, did every, he, he obeyed perfectly. So as you and I start, start as you and I stay in the Word then we, we become we start being changed from glory to glory. What does that mean? We start looking and acting and talking and, and responding just like Jesus would. And I, I don't know about you, but, but if, if we respond like Jesus and we start acting like Him, then I believe we'll start getting the results He got. And, and, I, and I don't think that any of us would complain about the results that Jesus got. Because he got perfect results. Everything he, everything he said came to pass. Everything he prayed about was fulfilled. Amen. And, but what we do when we see ourselves, when we look into that, when we look into the Word, so much of the time, see, here, here's the disconnect in this. People look at their own lives and they say, well, what's in the Word doesn't match up with what I'm seeing. And the, the, the issue or the problem is that people, people don't, uh, they have a hard time relating the spiritual and the natural. Because here, we all know this, the Bible tells us that we are a three-part being. 
We are a spirit, first and foremost. We're more spirit than we are anything. We have a soul, which is our mind, will, and emotions. And then we live in a body. This body, this natural part of us, is the least, uh, the least of all three of those. And for most people, they have a hard time ex- explaining that or have a hard time accepting that. As a matter of fact, most of the time, if, when you hear people talk about this, Brother Hagin talked about this a lot, most of the time, he said when people describe themselves, they'll describe themselves first and foremost as having a body. Because that's the part, that's the, the part most people are, are more, for, more, for, more familiar with. And it's, I mean, it's an obvious reason because it's the part we touch the world with. You know, it's the natural part of us. It's, I mean, we can't function without a body, right? I mean, we have to have this body. But the reality is this. The reality is our spirit man on the inside is more real than our body. And you say, Pastor, why do you say that? Because your spirit man will live forever. There will be a day, if Jesus tarries is coming, there will be a day when every one of these bodies in this building today will be laid to rest. It's a part of life. You know, just this week we we went to uh, you know Brother Lewis lost didn't lose her but we know where she is but but Brother Lewis's uh, mom passed away two weeks or two Wednesdays ago and, and we last week we uh, you know we laid her, laid her helped lay her to rest at at the funeral but you know and every one of us will go through that and we've all lost people we've loved you know and and that's that's a part of life. If Jesus tarries is coming, like I said, everybody in here, their body will be laid to rest. But guess what? Your spirit man never ceases to exist. Your spirit man will live forever. And so so your spirit, the spirit on the inside of us, the real us, I, I love Brother Hagin always used to describe it. He said, you know, he said, You don't really see me. He said, All you're looking at, he said, All you're looking at is my house. He said, This is just the house I live in. He said, the real me is on the inside. He said, the only part of me you can see is through these eyeballs. You know, and he said, he said that's the only part of me you can see because, because this house, this body, is only a house. And so, so the real us, our spirit man, spirit man, it will live forever. So, so when, you know, people have a hard time, people have a hard time, though, understanding that a lot of what the Scripture talks about, he talks about, uh, about happening in the spirit. And, and a lot of times people will say, well, if that's only spiritual, then it doesn't affect me in the natural. But that is so wrong. Because everything that happens in the Spirit should affect your natural side of things tremendously. Amen. Amen. See, because, because here's a couple statements, and people, man, this will flip people out when you tell them this. But you realize that our spirit man is perfect and can never sin. And then people say, all, I hear people say all the time, well, I sinned last night. I know that's not right. Well, guess what? Your spirit man didn't sin. Your flesh may have. But your spirit man, the Bible says, if you're born again, your spirit man, if, if you've accepted Jesus as your Savior, your spirit man is sealed and is perfect. And see, and so people say, well, well what good does that do to me if my spirit, you know, because I have trouble with this flesh. You know, my spirit may be perfect, but man, my flesh is far from it. Well, it's because, because you are spending more time thinking about your flesh than you are your spirit. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians. Uh, you're right there in 2 Corinthians. Turn with me to chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 
<clears throat> very familiar scripture, and we've seen we've looked at this in the past, the last couple of weeks. Second Corinthians five seventeen. Go ahead and look up at let's let's look up at uh, let's go up a couple verses and get the context of this because verse seventeen that's the verse I want to look at but verse seventeen starts out with the word therefore and anytime you see the word therefore you got to find out what is therefore right in other words it means there's something that happened above it that made seventeen real or 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 true so let's just go up to verse um, let's go up to verse like thirteen. Verse 14, verse 14, we'll start there. Verse 14, it says this, 2 Corinthians, 2, uh, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 14. For the love of Christ constraineth us. Mm, boy, I like that verse. Because, uh, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. Now, listen, look, at, look at that from the Amplified. Let's, I mean... The Lord told me to slow down and teach some of this so we understand it. So I'm, we're going to be looking at some different translations and different, different things to help us get this, okay? The Amplified says this, For the love of Christ controls and urges and impels us. The love of Christ controls and urges and, impel, and impels us because we are of the opinion... And the conviction that if one died for all, then all died. Okay? So what is that saying? That, they're saying that, that the love of Christ, which is on the inside of... The Bible says the love of God has been shed abroad in all of our hearts. Right? The love of Christ compels us. It urges us. I mean, it, it, you know, it constrains us to understand this thought. That if Jesus Christ died for one... Then he died for everybody. The, the scripture says this. The scripture says that that is God's that that is God's uh, you know that God doesn't want anybody to perish. So in other words, God's will or God's desire is that everybody accept Him, accept Jesus as their Savior, so that nobody has to go to hell. Hell, listen, hell was never created for you and me. Hell was created for the angels that, that fell and rebelled. But yet, hell is populated by many, many people simply because, not because of the sins they committed, not because they're murderers or liars or stealers or adulterers or drunkards or, you know, all the things that we label things, the things that we think about sending people to hell. Hell is not populated because of that. People are, people's spirits are in hell today because they simp, because simply of one thing. Simply because they rejected Jesus Christ. Because they said no to Him and yes to their flesh. That's the only thing that will send you to hell is when you say no to Jesus. And you reject Him. So here it says that the love of Christ compels and controls and urges us. to, to and, and we're of this opinion and we're of this conviction that if Jesus died for one, then, every, then they're all dead. Then they all died. Verse 15 goes on to say this, And that He died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto Him which died for them and rose again. So the love of Christ compels us to understand that if Jesus died for one, 
then He died for all. And if He died for all, why did He die for all? So that those that live, He's talking about those that accept Him, they won't live for themselves, but they'll live their lives for Him. Because He died for them. Right? You all see that? And then verse 15, or verse, uh, verse 16 goes on to say this, Wherefore, henceforth, no, and, and this was Paul speaking here, he says, Wherefore, henceforth, know we no man after the flesh. Yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we Him no more. See, because this was after Jesus had died, right? Jesus had died. He was not on the earth anymore. So Paul told them this. Let's back up and let's, let's put all three of these verses together. Paul backed up and said this. Okay, the love of Christ teaches us this. The love of Christ teaches us and it compels us and it, it urges us to believe this truth. That Jesus died on the cross for everybody. And the reason He died was so that when you believe on Him, that you don't have to live your life in your own strength, but you can live it in His strength. You can live it in His power. Now we're getting ready to get to the verse that tells us that, but He's, he's setting it up for that stage. And then he, then he says this, this astounding statement here in verse 16. He says, he says, so there, he said, because of that, he said, from this point forward, we don't know Jesus after the flesh any longer. Why? Because the flesh, his flesh is no longer with them. So if he don't know him after the flesh, how's he going to have to know Jesus now? How do you and I know? Do we know Jesus after the flesh? Does Jesus come down in bodily form and, and where we can touch Him and, and shake His hand and hug Him? No. How did He say? Notice, notice this verse again. He says, Wherefore, henceforth, or from this point forward, know we no man after the flesh, yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh. He said, yes, it's true, we knew Jesus when He was here. He says, but yet now, henceforth, know we Him no more. And He's saying, after the flesh. We don't know Him after the flesh anymore. So how, how do we know Jesus if we don't know Him after the flesh? It has to be a spiritual thing. Now, he set up verse 17. He said these verses up above this so that when, when, he, when he says verse 17 and we read verse 17, now we understand why. We believe the love of Christ tells us that He died for everybody. He died for everybody so that when we believe on Him, that we don't have to live in our own strength, but we can live for Him by His strength in Him, by His strength, by His power, by His ability, not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Now, Pastor, how does that happen? Well, he gives us verse 17. Therefore, he, 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 he said because of what we just learned, he says, therefore, if any man... Now, that's not a question. He's not saying if anybody happens to know Jesus. What he's saying is this. He says, therefore... He says, if any man, that, that is a, um, I don't know what they call it, but it's a, it's a positive statement saying, since all of this happened up here, now that you know Christ, here's what happens to you. It's not a question of, of, you know, maybe this might happen or not, but this is a statement saying, since all of this is true, you know, if all of this is true, then here's another true statement. And he says this, Therefore, if any man be in Christ... He is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. The Amplified says it this way. He says, Therefore, if any person is engrafted in Christ the Messiah, he is a new creation. 
a new creature altogether. The old previous moral and spiritual condition has passed away. Behold, the fresh and the new have come. Now, let me ask you a question. When you got born again, did anything physically, your physical appearance, did anything physically happen to you? Yes or no? Now, there have been instances where supernatural things have happened, but for probably 99.9% of the people that you ask that question to, the answer would be no. If I was... If you had hair when you knelt at the altar or prayed, you had hair when you said amen. If you were bald, you didn't have hair. Amen. And you said amen, you still didn't have hair. If you were big, little, tall, short, however you looked from the time you said, Lord Jesus, I need you in my life. I believe in you and thank you for dying on the cross for me. I believe what you said in your word. I confess you with my mouth. Thank you for being my Savior. Amen. That, however long that prayer took you, your physical appearance didn't change. But something else did change. The Bible says that you became a brand new creature, a creation. Different translations say this. The Living Bible says it this way. When someone becomes a Christian, he becomes a brand new person inside. He is not the same anymore. A new life has begun. The Wade translation says, if anyone becomes united to Christ, he is a fresh creation. The original conditions have passed away. Mark it. They have been replaced by new conditions. I like that. The Williams translation says this, So if anybody is in union with Christ, he is the work of a new creation. The old condition has passed away and a new condition has come. The 20th century says this, Therefore, if anyone is in union with Christ, he is a new being. Now listen to this. His old life has passed away. A new life has begun. Now, so what what is he talking about? He just got through talking about Jesus died for everybody. We live, now we live in, you know, we live by Him and for Him and through Him. And he says, we don't know Him after the flesh, but we know Him after the Spirit. And then he says this, now we are a brand new creation. So what happened was this. The outward man didn't change. The inward man became something totally new. It says that the old nature, the old man, the old person you used to be, died. And God created something brand new. He didn't just remake your spirit. He didn't just renovate it. He didn't just make it a little bit better than it was. He put something brand new in you. He, he, and He did something so radical in you that now you can house the very presence of God. Think about that. In the Old Covenant, in the Old Covenant, when when David was bringing the the Ark of the Covenant back to Israel, and he put it on, he he used new new, uh, oxen and a new cart, and he he did, you know, he he tried to make it the best he could do, and the the oxen stumbled, and and the Ark of the Covenant got ready to fall off that that, that, uh, cart that he had built. And Uzziah reached up just to steady it so that the ark wouldn't fall and be damaged. And the Bible says that when he touched the ark, that God killed him right there. Because because unholy had touched holy. Listen, when sin touches God, something has to happen. You know, you, you you can't bring sin into the presence of God and think it's going to stay there. 
There's going to be a change. And in the Old Covenant, when Uzziah, when the, when the unholy touched the holy, the unholy died immediately. And it says that David, David was, was upset because, because this had happened. And he went back and he realized, he realized this is a whole other story, but, but he realized that the reason that had happened was because that was not the way God said that His presence was to be handled. God said that His presence was to be carried on the shoulders of priests and not on a new cart. So the next time David went to get the Ark of the Covenant, what did he do? He took the priest with him. And, he, and they bear the ark on, their, on the shoulders like God told them to in the, in the, in the beginning. And, and they carried it in and the, and the ark of the covenant was restored. But, but, but now here in the new covenant, now since Jesus came and He lived and He died and He was resurrected, what happened? It, God created something brand new on the inside of us and He said that what happened? He took your old man and killed your old man. When did that happen? When did your old man die? It was on the cross with Jesus. That's the reason we say that we're in Him, that, we, that, we're, that we're in Christ. As a matter of fact, let's look at Romans chapter 6. And we're going to get to, we're going to, get to how this relates to us personally and how, how we can use this. Romans 6. <clears throat> Romans 6, verse 6 says this. Well, I'll tell you what. Let's just start here. Let's take our time. Let's just start here in uh, verse 1. This is a great chapter. Paul says this as he's writing to the church. Most people believe Paul wrote this. Some people believe somebody else might, but, but we'll, we'll say Paul did. Paul said this to the church at Rome. He said, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Now, now in chapter 5, really, we should go back and read chapter 5, but, but why is he saying we're dead to sin? Because in, in 2 Corinthians, Paul tells us that our old nature, our, our old sin nature has died. He says all of the old died and God put something new in us. Probably one of the one of the strongest struggles is something that that I see people have. So many people have 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 a, a hard time uh, a hard time understanding this. Is this if you ask people today if they have a sin nature, most people will tell you yes. Most people will say, "Well, well, while I'm in this while I'm in this body, I have a sin nature," but that's not the scripture we just read. The Scripture tells us, what we just read in 2 Corinthians, and we're getting ready to read it again here, the Scripture tells us that when you got born again, your old man, your sin nature, died. And something brand new was created in its place. Now, what was that something brand new? It wasn't sin nature again. It it goes back, and we talked about this earlier a couple weeks ago, but it goes back to, to really, we could say this, the Bible is a story about two people. It's a story about old Adam and the new Adam. The old Adam is sin, works, the law. The new Adam is Jesus, grace, dead to sin. Most people will tell you, you know, and, and I would just, just 
as an experiment this week, just go ask somebody. The people you talk to, the people that you know that maybe go to church or whatever, just ask them if you, if you get around, some, work it in somehow, ask them if they have a sin nature and just see what they say. Most people will probably say, yes, they have a sin nature. Why do they say that? Because they sin. And since they sin, they just automatically assume that they still have a sin nature. Because what do we say? What do sinners do? Well, sinners sin. I, all my life, I grew up hearing this statement. In, in prayer rooms, I mean, great men and great men of God that loved the Lord but had very little revelation. I, I, people would say this, I'm just an old sinner saved by grace. I'm just struggling, barely making it through. But guess what? See, that is really, to be honest with you, for you to say you're just... Now, there is, there is truth to that statement in the fact that you once were a sinner. Everybody was a sinner. Every one of us in this room, we were born a sinner. We had a sin nature. We were spiritually dead. And, you know, you don't have to teach any of you that have kids, you know this, you don't have to teach your kids how to do something wrong. Your kids don't do wrong just simply because they see you do wrong. At a very early age, your kids start learning it's about me, me, me. They'll lie, cheat, steal, they'll do whatever they can to satisfy me from a toddler on up. We all know it's true. We don't have to teach them to do that. Why? Because they, they, we live, we, we were born with a fallen nature. But now listen. When you get born again, when you accept Jesus as your Savior and you invite Him to come into your life to be your Lord and your Savior, 2 Corinthians 5.17 tells us this, the old man, that old sin nature, died. It was put on the cross with Jesus. It was, it was crucified with Jesus. And something new happened on the inside of us. For most people, that new creation on the inside of them, very little of that new creation has been tapped into. Because their mindset is still about that old, that old man. Listen, most people go around trying to do something about the old man. They're still trying to fix the old man. They're trying to get the old man to quit sinning. They're trying to get the old man to quit behaving bad. But I've got news for you. Listen, now this, this might rock you a little bit, but listen. Jesus is not going to do anything else about your old man. Tweet that, hashtag it, do whatever you want to with it. It's the truth. Jesus is not going to do anything else about your old man. Why? Because He's already taken care of it. As far as He, as far as he is concerned, your old man is dead. The only thing that concerns the doesn't concern the only thing that that Jesus even even deals with any longer is the new man. But yet the majority of Christians go around trying to fix the old man. They're trying to dress him up, put lipstick on him, trying to make him look better, trying to make him smell better, all the while carrying around a dead body. And that's the reason here Paul said this. He said, he said, what should we say then? Should we continue in sin? Because he tells us that, that where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. 
So he asked the question, he says, so should we just continue in sin so that grace, so that we'll get more grace? And then he says, God forbid. He says, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Now, now he, he's going to teach us some things here. He says this, know ye not. In other words, Paul said, you should know this. He said, know you not, in verse 3, that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into His death. You see, because listen, what, hap- what happened on the cross? Let's talk about this just for a moment. What happened? We, we, we've got the cross up here and we've, you know, last year we did this and we're doing it this year. We're putting our prayer request on the cross because we know that on the cross... Jesus took care of, of all of the issues. Everything that needed to be taken care of, Jesus, when He died on the cross, when He was, when he was uh, crucified on the cross, when He died and rose again and, and you know, was resurrected, it took care of all of our issues, right? I mean, we believe that. We know that. But what really happened on the cross? What happened was this. Jesus took your place. Jesus became your sin. In 2 Corinthians 5.21, we read this. We didn't, we didn't read it there, but we may turn back to it. But 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, He that knew no sin became sin, so that you and I might become the righteousness of God in Him. So in other words, He took our place. He became our sin. Why? So we could become the righteousness of God. We swap places. He got what we deserved, we got what He deserved. He was perfect. He was without sin. So He was righteous. He was legitimately the only righteous person ever to live. Fully righteous. In other words, He never committed a sin. Yet when He died on the cross, He died the death of a sinner. Why? Because He took your sin and my sin upon Himself so that you and I could take His righteousness upon us. We don't have to try to be righteous. We don't have to try to become righteous. The Bible tells us that when when we accept Him as our Savior, that He makes us righteous. We, We become righteous and we'll be as righteous as we'll ever be the moment that we accept Him as our Savior. Amen. So here He says, Know ye not that as many as us as were baptized into Jesus Christ, we were baptized into His death. Therefore, we are buried with Him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should also walk in the newness of life. There that word newness is again. In other words, there's something new that happens when Jesus was resurrected. The Bible says that He, that he became the firstborn among the brethren. He was the first one that was resurrected from death to life. Now, listen, there had been other people raised from the dead. But there had, no, there had never been anybody that had conquered death. Right? Jesus resurrected people from the dead. It wasn't just the, res, it wasn't just the fact that He was resurrected. There was much more that happened in that resurrection. It was the fact that He defeated death. Because in His resurrection, He would never have to face death again. Every other person that had been resurrected, they, they, they died again. Lazarus, he was resurrected from the dead. But you know what? Lazarus died again. 
The little boy Jesus healed in the, the funeral procession. Procession. Guess what? Sometime later in his life, he died. I mean, all these people that we see that were raised from the dead, they all died again. Jesus never died again. He defeated death in his death, burial, and resurrection. So, so he says here that that just like in his death, we were we were brought in his in in his resurrection to newness of life. And that's what happened to us. When we accepted Jesus, our old man got crucified on the cross. We were buried with Him in His burial, but we were risen again in His resurrection, and we became brand new creations. Something brand new happened on the inside of us. Just like He was the firstborn among many brethren, we became brothers to Him in our resurrection from the dead, in our salvation what we'll say. <clears throat> Alright, let's look at verse 5. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of His death, we shall also be in the likeness of His resurrection. <clears throat> Excuse me. Now look at verse 6. Here's what I wanted to get to. Knowing this, he said it again, knowing this, that our old man, everybody say old man, that our old man, our sin nature, the, the one, the, the person that, the, the very essence of us before we met Jesus, our old man is crucified with him that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. Now, let's look at that in a couple different translations because I want you to see this. I, I, now, when I study, I like looking at different translations because it uses different language and it uses different words and it just helps me to understand it better, okay? So, so I want to give you a couple different translations of this. The Amplified says this, and we've got some of them and some of them we don't, so you, you just have to listen. The Amplified says this, For we know that our, our old, unrenewed self was nailed to the cross with Him, in order that our body, which is the instrument of sin, might be made ineffective and inactive for evil, that we might no longer be the slaves to sin. And go ahead and look at verse 7 there in the Amplified. It says, For when a man dies, he is freed, he is loosed, he is delivered from the power of sin among men. <clears throat> Excuse me. We we say this a lot. When somebody is when somebody is sick and they die, we say we say you know you know they 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 were they 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 are no longer suffering. Right now, why do we say that? Because when death comes, sickness no longer affects people. Right. We we don't look we don't look at a dead corpse. And say, and say, that body or that person still has cancer. Right? We don't, we don't say that. What we say, what we say is this. We say that that person may have died of cancer, but you know what? Cancer no longer is affecting them. Why? Because they no longer are living in that body. Why? Because they're dead. And what he was saying, what he's saying in this, here's what he's saying in this. When we die, we die to that old sin nature. What's the importance of that? Because if we, if we are dead to that sin nature, then guess what? Sin no longer has control of our body. We are no longer forced 
to sin. You hear people say this all the time, I just couldn't help it. You know, I'm just, you know, it's just who I am or, or I'm just, you know, um, you know, I have to do that. Guess what? That's a lie. We don't have to do anything. You know what? You don't have to breathe. You could hold your breath right now and pass out from not breathing. But nobody wants to do that, right? I mean, everybody likes to breathe because as long as we're breathing, we're living. If you stop breathing, that's bad news. Right? You don't have to sin. You don't have to watch that program on TV. You don't have to drink that drink. You don't have to smoke that thing that you're smoking. You don't, you don't have to take those pills. You don't have to act that way. Well, Pastor, then why do people do it? Because they like it. If you didn't like it, you wouldn't do it. You do it because it makes you feel good. It pleases your senses. It may, it may only give a temporary relief, but it gives a temporary relief. That's why you do it. You know, you wouldn't do something, and that's the reason, and, and you know, that's the reason you don't see when, when they advertise a, uh, when Bud Light, you know, why do you think Bud Light advertises all these commercials, and especially like the Super Bowl, they do real funny commercials, and they, and they do, you know, Bud Light never shows somebody passed out in the gutter with throw up all over them. That's the effect of drinking alcohol. They don't show people in a divorce court with their families tore apart, kids crying, and lives tore apart. They never show that side of alcohol. Why? Because they want people to see, they want people to think that alcohol is going to do them good. Oh, I can, I can drink a couple, they won't hurt me. Yeah. Keep going down that road and see what happens to you. Amen. Now, come on. You know, you can't, you can't play with sin and think you've got control of it. Listen, we, you, you know, whether it's alcohol, drugs, whether it's pornography, whether it's food, whether it's, I mean, you name what it is. I mean, coffee, caffeine. I mean, there's all kinds of addictions. There's all, I mean, you know, we always label the bad ones, but listen, there's all kinds of things that's got, got Christians addicted. And if you stay on those things, it will destroy you. Listen, the truth is, sin still kills. The penalty of sin is death. That hasn't changed. But what has changed is this. What has changed is that your sin nature is dead. You do not have to be controlled by sin. Now, Pastor, how, now you know, yeah, but you, you just don't understand my situation. Well, here's the incredible thing. The Bible tells us that uh, oh, wow, I just saw the time. The Bible tells us that... Uh, I just got to my first Scripture. Uh, the Bible tells us that, that, uh, that Jesus is our high priest. And it says that He's not a high priest that can't be touched with our infirmities. In other words, what that means is this. Is that when Jesus lived on this earth, He had temptations. 
He was tempted to sin. He was tempted with the same things that you and I are tempted with. Now, it may not look, it may not look the same. It may not be identical to what Jesus was tempted with. But I promise you, He was tempted with the same vices that you and I are tempted with. Satan has not changed his attacks in over thousands, 2,000 years. It's still the same thing, just in a different package. And Jesus endured those temptations and He satisfied that temptation in the fact that He, that he showed us how a man full of the Spirit can live and say no to sin. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with Him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth, from this moment forward, we should not serve sin. A couple translations, and I'll find a place to unhook here. One translation says, Our original humanity was nailed to the cross with Him. We are no longer controlled by old habits and attitudes. The Haman says, keeping in, in view that the fact that our earlier self was crucified with Him. One translation says, our former, our former evil identities have been executed, so to speak. Our rebel selves were exterminated and that leaves us no further role to perform as offenders. The 20th century says, We recognize the truth that our old self was crucified with Christ in order that the body, the stronghold of sin, might be rendered powerless so that we should no longer be slaves to sin. So, what he's telling us here, what Paul is telling us here is this. Because of what happened, because of 2 Corinthians 5.17 where it says we become a new creation, our sin nature has now been nailed to the cross and it is dead. So what happens is that when, we got, when Jesus was resurrected, our new man got resurrected and, and our new man on the inside of us is now free from sin. So where does that leave us? And how am I going to unhook right here? Um, all right. Help me, Lord, with that. All right. Here's what we'll do. We have to understand this. That our spirit man on the inside... We, we need to become more aware of our spirit man than we are our physical man. The, the reason that most people, well, I say the reason that all people still indulge in sin and still fight the battle of sin is because they, they are more aware of their physical self than they are their spiritual self. When they look in a mirror, and I, and I, I, I can even say this, when we look in a mirror, I'll, I'll bring it down to us. When you and I look in a mirror, if the first thing that you do, when when you you know when when you look in a mirror, the first if the first thing you do is think, boy, I really screwed up today. You know, or boy, I've made a mess of my life. You know, I, man, I'm, I'm in a 
I mean, you know, I can't believe I did the things I just did. If that's your first thought, your sin conscience. Your first thought when you look in the mirror, your first thought should be, that's the righteousness of God in Christ. That man, that man is complete in Christ. And then you might, you know, and I know what you'll say. Well, Pastor, you're just, are you saying we, we don't pay attention to sin? No, because like I said, the wages of sin is still death. If you still mess with sin, it will still kill you. Even though your old man's dead. You'll find yourself dealing with death in areas of your life. But what I'm saying is this. The more, the more time you spend in the Word seeing who you are and realizing who you are in Christ. Now listen, I gave you, I gave you guys a couple weeks ago, I gave you this paper... And it had all the in Christ and in Him and in whom Scripture's in it. There's over 200 Scriptures on the back of this paper. References to Scriptures. Take these Scriptures and read them. Meditate on them. Think about them. This is who you are. This is what you have. This is what you can do. Then on the front side of this, I was going to talk a little bit more about this, but I just don't have time. On the front side of this is the prayers that Paul prayed in Ephesians 1, Ephesians 3, and Colossians 1. And I encourage you, take these prayers and pray them. Pray them every day. Take this piece of paper and wear it out. Read it every single day. And why? Because Paul was praying. Listen, Paul was praying that that the very thing we're talking about, that you and I would get a revelation of who we are in Christ. Of who we are. Of what He has done for us and, and what, what we can do because of that. Um, I'm just going to have to believe God that He's going to help you all unhook here and we can hook back up here next week. I don't have a good place to unhook. Because I left you all just saying that your, your old man's dead and you got a new creation, but I hadn't told you how to live from there. So I I'll, I'll pray the Holy Spirit will teach you that. Until next week. Come back next week and you'll get part two. I'll just tell you, just trust the Spirit. He'll help you. Amen. Till we get back next week. Amen. But, but here's, here's, here is the reality of it. The reality is this. Until we become more conscious of the Spirit of God living on the inside of us and who we are because we're in Christ, we're still going to struggle with sin. If you are, if you are more body conscious than you are spirit conscious you're going to have a hard time living a successful Christian life. If you're struggling living a, a, a Christian life right now, if you're struggling, it's probably because you're more conscious of your flesh than you are your spirit. And you spent more time trying to fix your old man instead of learning how to live out of your new man. See, it's not a matter... You can't fix your old man. He's dead. We have to learn how to live out of our new man. And that's what we're going to teach you here in the next couple of weeks. So, so my prayer is that, that, that you know, take, take these Scriptures, take these in Him Scriptures and just study them, read them, meditate on them, think about them, and ask the Lord to show you who you are in Christ. Ask Him to give you the revelation. As you read, as you, as you pray these prayers, you see i got mine all marked up because I stop and it's, I make emphasis on some things about certain things that he said in here. And I, and I stop and I meditate on it. I think about it and I, I thank God. Man, I mean, even just the first sentence here. You know, that I, I, God, that you may grant me a spirit of wisdom and revelation, of insight into the mysteries and secrets, the deep and intimate knowledge of yourself. 
by having the eyes of my heart flooded with light so that I can know and understand. See, those, if, if you, man, you can take that first verse and if you got a revelation of that, you'd be light years ahead of most people. That your, that your, the eyes of your heart be flooded with His light so that you can know and understand who you are. And everything that He's done for you. So, so this week, spend some time praying over these. I, I printed some more of these off. All of them got gone last week, I think. I printed some more of these off. They're on the back table. I encourage you to get, get one and use this. You know, pray over it and, and, and read over it. Study those Scriptures and it will help you realize who you are in Christ. Amen? Let me pray for you. Well, Father, I pray that today, Lord, I need Your help. Uh, your people need Your help, Lord. Uh, I pray, Father, that Holy Spirit, I pray that You would just be our teacher. You would show us these things. Father, as we open up Your Word and as we, as we look into Your Word, my prayer today is that, Lord, that, that we would find out who we are in You. We would find out what we have in You. We would find out what we could do because we are in You. And we would realize, Father, that our old man, this old, the old sin nature is dead. And we are now alive to You. Paul said it this way. Paul said, I live, nevertheless it's not I that live, but it's Christ that lives in me. So I thank You, Lord, that Christ is living on the inside of everyone here that has made, that has made You their Lord and Savior. If there's one here today, Lord, that doesn't know You, my prayer is that today would be that day. Lord, if there's those here that need a touch from You, I pray that today, Lord, before they leave this place, that their lives would be radically changed. And I thank You for that. I pray blessings on each one. Let's stand to our feet just a moment. If you're here today and you need prayer, if you're, if you're not a Christian and you say, Pastor, I want to I wanna accept Jesus or you're here today and you say, I'm a Christian, but I've got some needs in my life, I need prayer, I just want to invite you to come down and, and Stacy and I would love to be able to pray with you. We'd love to be able to to just love on you and share the love of God with you because, because listen, the gospel is all about how much He loves us. It truly is. If you need prayer of any kind, just make your way down. Don't hesitate. Just come on down and we would love to be able to pray with you. Anybody at all. Thank you, Lord. Father, You're so good. Let's just, let's just praise Him just for a moment, can we? Father, thank You. You are so good. We love You. We honor You. Thank You, Lord, that, that we have been... Father, our old man has been, has been crucified with You on the cross and, and we're also resurrected with You to new life. The new man on the inside. Lord, we're learning. Father, we're, we're yearning to learn how to live from that new man. Holy Spirit, be our teacher this week. Be our, be our uh, teacher and teach us. Show us how to live from that new man this week. Pulling off of your strength, your ability. We're complete in you and our spirit, man, Lord. That means we have everything we need. So I thank you, Lord, that, that everyone here, Lord, this week we're going to learn how to pull from our spirit, man. How to live out of our spirit this week. I thank you for that, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, praise the Lord. Well, remember we have a leadership meeting tonight at 5. Men's meeting, uh, our first Bible study is tomorrow night at 7. And then uh, the prayer, the youth prayer is tomorrow night at 7 as well. And, uh, and 
Everybody be blessed. Have a good afternoon. And we'll see everybody later on.